Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to NextJSConf 2022. I'm excited you could join us today to hear updates across three major areas of web development. It's amazing how much NextJS has grown since our start in 2016, with over 2,400 contributors, over 200 million downloads, and a global community of developers, including those viewing NextJSConf right now from London, New York, San Francisco, and the tens of thousands watching online. The NextJS community is stronger and bolder than ever. Each year, more of the top applications on the web are built with Next.js, particularly in retail, SaaS, media, drawn by its balance between great developer experience and great end-user performance. Next.js had its origins as a React framework for dynamic server-render sites. Instead of optimizing for single-page applications, we designed Next.js for teams building ambitious, complex applications. But being dynamic has always come with a lot of limits. You've wanted to be dynamic, but it's meant at, at the expense of costly, always-on infrastructure, requiring manual provisioning and extensive operations. You've wanted to be dynamic, but it's meant juggling two sets of runtime APIs, Node.js in the server and web-standard APIs in the browser. You've wanted to be dynamic, but often only in a single region origin. Depending on legacy, static, CDN caching, to try to perform and scale. Let that sink in. Unless you were one of the giants of the web, like Google or Facebook.com, the only way to scale a dynamic global application was to downgrade a static. The downsides of static become apparent when faced with dynamic requirements. Your cached or static-generated page is at odds with granular user personalization, experimentation, or even showing the number of items in a shopping cart. So you turn to shipping massive amounts of client-side JavaScript. We knew that the answer was never in optimizing within those constraints we're ready for a new paradigm. Today, we're releasing Next.js 13 to enable you to be dynamic without limits. Next.js 13 ships innovations across three major categories. First, compiler infrastructure. Originally, way back in my day, we built Next.js on top of Webpack an open source bundler that revolutionized front-end development. While Webpack has allowed JavaScript to go from sprinkling interactivity on a page to building entire web applications with just JS or TypeScript, it's time for a major upgrade, the successor to Webpack. Second, routing and rendering infrastructure. We'll introduce a redesigned approach to layouts, data fetching, and server rendering. Building on React's multi-year investments, we're delivering on the dream of shipping dramatically less client-side JavaScript while making the most ambitious applications not just possible, but easy. Everything you love about React and Next.js 
absolutely everything gets simpler today. Third, our component toolkit. A true web SDK would not be complete if it didn't address the most common artifacts that you see on the web, like images, fonts, scripts, and even social cards. So pushing the web forward requires this comprehensive investment across tooling, runtime, cloud infra, the ecosystem, and our community as a whole. That's been the journey of Vercel for the past six years to enable developers to create at the moment of inspiration. Let's watch how Next.js 13 is making this vision a reality with Lee Robinson. Today is a new beginning for compiler infrastructure. In Next.js, and for the entire web ecosystem. Next.js provides the right defaults for your app with zero configuration. Our job is to curate the best tools for you so your team can iterate faster and ship better products. In 2016, the natural thing to do was to write JavaScript tooling in JavaScript. That meant tools like Babel, Terser, and Webpack. As front-end applications grew in size and complexity, this tooling struggled to keep up. We hit the limits of what was possible with the performance of JavaScript-based compilation. At our last conference, we began our transition to native Rust-powered tooling. We started by migrating away from Babel, which resulted in 17 times faster transpilation. Then we replaced Terser, which resulted in six times faster minification. But what about bundling? Webpack has been downloaded over three billion times. It's become an integral part of building for the web. But just like Babel and Terser, it's time to go all in on native. Tobias, the creator of Webpack, joined Vercel and assembled a team of world-class engineers to build the web's next generation bundler. This team has taken the lessons from 10 years of Webpack combined with the innovations in incremental computation from TurboRepo and Google's Bazel and invented an architecture ready to withstand the next 10 years. We're excited to introduce TurboPack, our Rust-based successor to Webpack. On large applications, TurboPack shows updates 10 times faster than Vite and 700 times faster than Webpack. For a really large application, the difference is even greater, 20 times faster updates than Vite. These speed boosts aren't just for code updates, but also for starting up your local dev server. Let's take a look at an example. As you'll see, TurboPack starts up in 1.8 seconds when handling a large application with 3,000 modules. This is faster than both previous versions of Next.js and other popular tools. TurboPack's performance comes from its highly optimized machine code and low-level incremental engine built with Rust. Once TurboPack performs a task, it never does it again. To start, TurboPack is focused on your local development experience, including React Fast Refresh. 
Eventually, TurboPack will also power Next.js production builds, both locally and in the cloud. Just like with Turbo Repo, we can share the work that's already been done, not just on your local machine, but also from teams across your entire organization. Try out the TurboPack Alpha today by upgrading to Next.js 13 and running nextdev-turbo. While optimized for React and Next.js code bases, TurboPack is the new foundation of high-performance, bare-metal tooling and is now open source. Check it out on turbo.build to see the benchmarks and supported features. With TurboPack, we're continuing to reimagine the foundations of Next.js. Let's go back to Guillermo to hear more about Next.js 13. Thanks, Lee. With TurboPack, we're creating the fastest compiler infrastructure for JS and TypeScript projects. We're moving to a world where running your app locally and making an incremental change can happen in as little as 10 milliseconds. Building for production, even for large code bases, will happen in single digit seconds. These instant updates are not just for you, but thanks to Vercel Remote Cache and our build infrastructure, for your entire team as well, by ensuring automatically that we don't do the same work twice. This remote cache has already saved development teams at companies of all sizes decades of build time. Decades. Our mission doesn't stop at a better developer experience. To push the web forward, Next.js 13 is also reimagining how pages are structured, rendered, and delivered at the edge. One of the most loved features of Next.js is our file system-based router. Drop a file inside a folder, and you're able to instantly create routes in your application. No configuration required. Over the past six years, our router has helped build some of the largest web applications in the world, spanning billions of daily page views. This has helped us identify some incredible opportunities to continue delivering on the best possible router. We can make it easier to co-locate data fetching inside components, enabling global data fetching in your application. For example, when you have dynamic data requirements that are shared across pages. We can make it easier to co-locate your application code with your routes, like components, tests, and styles, so that you and your team don't have to come up with your own conventions and configuration. We can make it easier to lay out complex interfaces that maintain state across navigations and avoid expensive re-renders and re-triggering of animations. These opportunities for improvement in combination with React's multi-year architectural investment into concurrent features created the perfect environment to upgrade the web's most popular file system-based router. That is why today we're introducing a new Next.js router that we know you're going to love. Our new router starts with the introduction of the app directory, which can coexist with the existing pages directory for incremental adoption. Let's take a look at an example. It's still just one file, page.js, to create my homepage. My product has a list of dynamic popular topics tailored to my interest in a sidebar on the left-hand side. 
let's create the individual topic page that the sidebar links to. This uses the same syntax you're already familiar with for nesting and dynamic routes. I want to reuse the sidebar and the navigation from my homepage on the topic page. So I can refactor my component into a layout.js file that shares UI between the two pages. Not only is this more convenient for me, but as I navigate, only a small portion of the screen re-renders, streamlining the work both on the client and the server. Notice how the search field preserves state and the animations continue despite the route changes. This product has dynamic requirements. The topics in the layout are user-personalized. This isn't a static page. So how do you fetch and stream data from the server while preventing large amounts of JavaScript and waterfalls on the client. We've worked with the React core team to deliver a new solution to simplify fetching for all of React and Next.js, and you can try it today. This is what my data fetching code looks like for the sidebar using the brand new data fetching API. It's extremely simple and inlined right inside my application code. The best part? I can sprinkle streaming data fetching throughout my entire app. Layouts, pages, components, and even hooks. Our shared UI between the home and the topic page can now fetch and reuse data. Let's now define a new loading state for our topic page with loading.js. Notice how when I transition between pages, we server rendered an instant loading state while we're streaming the rest of our content. Similarly, we allow custom error handling with the error.js convention. To preserve the flexibility and scalability that you've come to love about Next.js data fetching, we're extending the runtime with additions like butane caching, deduplication of requests, programmatic revalidations, and granular purging of data. Let that sink in. This means that all the benefits of ISR, static data fetching, server-side data fetching, and even SWR are now all in one hybrid solution. Because our router builds on React server components, everything we just defined for this product is now server-first. You can maintain rich interactive client-side experiences all while shipping dramatically less JavaScript by default. Thanks to the new React primitives, we're enabling ergonomic ways to handle loading and error states, streaming UI as it's rendered, and in the future, even mutate data. This new API is made possible by years of investment into the React ecosystem. Incrementally adopt the app directory available in beta today. Go to nextjs.org slash 13 to learn more. Muito obrigado, Delba. I'm so excited about these innovations in routing and the power of both dynamic and static data fetching coming to every component, thanks to React Server Components, in one unified experience. You can start adopting these features by introducing the app directory into your new or existing code bases. This transition can be done incrementally, even one page at a time while the pages directory remains fully supported and maintained. And thanks to TurboPack, 
developing on both the pages and app directories can be turbocharged. Next.js 13 doesn't stop there. Let's hear from Lydia about what other innovations are coming to our toolkit. Making a site fast is complex. We tend to think it's just about how you render your own components, but it's also about getting third-party assets right, like fonts, images, and scripts. When you don't get these right, you'll suffer from jarring layout shifts, frustrating input delays, and confusing content delays. This is why Next.js isn't just stopping at building better compiler and rendering infrastructure. We're also giving you solutions to these common, higher-level problems. Let's start with images. A huge chunk of the web is made up of images. They account for 44% of a page's weight on average. Getting images right is critical. The introduction of the Next.js image components in version 10 was a crucial step in the right direction. When we surveyed the Next.js community, 70% of respondents told us that they used the Next.js image component in production and, in turn, saw improved core web vitals. Since Vercel augments this image component with our global edge infrastructure, we can optimize images on demand for even better performance. This cooperation between framework and cloud infrastructure has now delivered billions of optimized images on the web with no developer effort. But our work is never done. Next.js 13 brings substantial improvements to the image components, both in performance and developer experience. The value of the React component abstraction is its ability to encapsulate complexity while still providing a simple HTML-like interface. With improvements on the web platform available across all major browsers, like native image lazy loading and CSS aspect ratios, Next.js 13 is shipping a better image component that uses less client-side JavaScript that performs better and maintains its familiar interface. Try out Next Image in Next.js 13. We're excited to see the next billion images you ship. The strength of the web is its diversity of design and ability to personalize. The web at its best is a hackable, malleable medium for anyone to build on. Using custom fonts is a huge part of that story. Custom fonts are great, but extremely hard to get right. You're probably used to seeing fallback fonts causing layout shifts or even long delays from invisible text before the right font is painted to the screen. With Next.js 13, we're going to prove that customizing your brand's typefaces can be easy while your site stays fast. Last year, we added font optimization to Next.js. This improved performance by automatically inlining font CSS during the build, reducing the total number of network requests. This was a small step to making fonts easier. Today, we're reimagining how developers use fonts with a brand new font system developed in collaboration with the Chrome team. This built-in module not only optimizes your fonts, but also removes any external network requests for improved privacy and performance by eliminating connection setup times to third-party hosts. This means you could import a font from a registry like Google Fonts or your own custom font files, and Next.js can automatically deliver it for you. Your custom brand identity, all on your own domain. We've also eliminated layout shifts by building on the web platform size adjust CSS property. 
the new font module can automatically avoid 99% of layout shift caused by custom fonts and 100% of visual disruption from missing fonts. Try out NextFont today in Next.js 13. Every time your link gets shared across the internet, you have a unique opportunity to make an impression with social cards. Social cards, also known as open graph images, can massively increase the engagement rate of clicks on your content, with some experiments showing up to 40% better conversions. Static social cards are time-consuming, error-prone, and hard to maintain. Because of this, social cards are often lacking or even skipped. Once again, it's time to go dynamic. Until today, dynamic social cards that need to be personalized and computed on the fly were difficult and expensive. Today, we're announcing Vercel OG Image Generation, a new solution for instantaneously generating dynamic social cards. This approach is five times faster than existing solutions by using Vercel Edge functions, WebAssembly, and a brand new core library for converting HTML and CSS into images and leverage the React component abstraction. No headless web browsers, no costly infrastructure, and no more cold boots. Once again, the combination of simple components with global edge infrastructure enables amazing experiences on the web. We're so excited that we're making things easier while also saving so much compute time and freeing up developer and designer hours. Try out Vercel OG image generation today. We're committed to continuously improving the toolkit developers have for working with reusable React components and integrations for the most common building blocks of the web. Images, fonts, scripts, links, and even social cards. Danke, Bell, Lydia. Next.js 13 ushers in a new era of web development with major announcements across three categories. First, we introduced TurboPack, the successor to Webpack. Making incremental changes during development can happen in as little as 10 milliseconds as we push towards a future of single-digit second production builds. On Vercel, this is a compounding investment as teams collectively save literally decades of build time thanks to Vercel remote cache. Second, routing, data fetching, and rendering. Next.js 13 introduces the new app directory with built-in support for layouts and powerful new conventions, all of which you can adopt incrementally alongside your pages directory. When deployed over Cell, your React pages become optimal serverless and edge infrastructure, which delivers dynamic at the speed, availability, and cost-effectiveness of static. Finally, we continue to expand our toolkit, which reaffirms our bet in web platform fundamentals. By partnering with the Google Chrome team, we're giving you the best of both worlds, simple abstractions that unlock powerful personalization for your brands. Everything we've shown today is possible by upgrading to Next.js 13. Head to nextjs.org 13 to learn more and try it out. Now, before the Q&A with the team that we're all looking forward to, let's hear from Loom about how they are going dynamic without limits on Vercel.
Hi, I am Tatiana Mack, and I am a software engineer at Loom. Loom is a video communication platform that really helps us to work more seamlessly, collaboratively, and asynchronously. My ideal developer experience is one that removes barriers for me to create, not at the sacrifice of our users. Sometimes good developer experience sacrifices user experience, and tools like Next.js and Loom make sure that we're not sacrificing the user experience for the developer, but that we're also not leaving them out. Cell and Loom have this really symbiotic relationship where we both want to make sure that we're able to provide new features to our users with a lot of velocity and speed, but ultimately empowering them to create where they want to at the point of inspiration. Our entire marketing site is backed by Vercel and Next.js. And the reason we're such big fans of having it all in one ecosystem is that we're able to focus on a lot of experimentation and iteration. Being able to use tooling that prioritizes some of my personal ethos as an engineer of accessibility and performance is so important to me, especially when it's integrated into the tooling so that at moments where I forget or there's something I don't know, that I can find the resources to make those accessibility and performance fixes. At Loom, we had this project called Learn to Loom, which was pretty open-ended in brief. Essentially, we wanted to create a product that could help people understand the many ways that you can use Loom across your day in work and in life. Vercel was critical in making it so that we could ship iteratively and to show key stakeholders our progress throughout and to just really take tooling out of consideration and allow us to focus on ideation and experimentation within this project. We reached for Next.js for Learn to Loom because we trusted that we didn't have to think about all of the technicalities of the build process. That with a project with such a large scope, with such important eyes on it, we could really focus on coming up with great ideas, testing them, and taking them to market quickly. Next.js is one of the few tools that's at that sweet spot for the amount of scaling that we want to do. A lot of tooling becomes outdated so quickly because technology is changing, and I think that's something you've all done a fantastic job of maintaining, and I would love to see that continue. Caring about our users who are the most marginalized and at the fringes, creating great experiences for them, and building an amazing future web. One of Loom's missions is to allow people to work anywhere in the way that they want to. And Vercel's mission of making that easy and seamless and efficient ties perfectly together. Because together, what we are able to do is allow people to work as seamlessly and efficiently as they want anywhere. Let's continue to build a faster, more performant and accessible web together. How about that keynote? That was great. All right. I hope you are all as excited as I am about the future of Next.js. We're now going to kick off the, key, uh, the Q&A and bring out members of the Next.js and React team. So why don't, why don't you all come on out? And we're going to be answering some questions here live in San Francisco 
as well as in London and New York and online for all the developers tuning in on the Next.js Discord. So please ask some questions in the Discord. We'd love to answer them right now and get some, some questions answered from the team. So bring them on out. Woo! Welcome the team. Let's kick things off here with a question here in person in San Francisco. Don't be shy. Raise your hand, and we have some mic runners who will come over, hand you a mic, and ask you some questions. So why don't we start with a very excited person right here. <laughs> uh, we have Sam, who can bring the mic over. Thank you, Sam. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, this is Jan from the Storebook team, and I'm really wondering about uh, all of the new things you're bringing and how it will impact the integrator tools, such as testing and storybook. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Dubba, do you want to talk about how we're going to grow the ecosystem of tooling around? I actually think Tim would be better for this question, because he's got the whole roadmap in he his does. mind. He does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, yeah, at this point, like storybook and uh, other tools are obviously not integrated yet, uh, like for an alpha state for, uh, for TurboPack. Um, for server components, uh, there will be, need to be some changes to, to these tools. Um, same for like uh, tools like Jest, uh, like test runners, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, the plan is to have everything like deeply integrated uh, so that the whole ecosystem can uh, leverage uh, server components and, uh, and TurboPack uh, under the hood as well. Any other commentary? All right, we'll do another question. Anyone else here? In the crowd, want to take one? Up here in the top right. Right here. And then we'll take one from Discord next. Thank you, Sam. Hi, this is Rekha. Um, I So if with the Turbo Pack, it says the API is not one-to-one uh, -one with Webpack, and we use Webpack heavily. Also, this uh, the Storybook question, we Storybook use Webpack. And we using Monorepo and Microfrontend. Everything uses Webpack. Yeah. <laughs> and he is like, it running uh, feels like a rug being pulled out under <laughs> from my feet when you're saying like, oh, the Webpack is out of the door. What are your thoughts on compatibility moving forward when we migrate all the infrastructure we have to Webpack from Webpack? Yeah. I'm happy to take this from the DX perspective, and then I'd love to hear Maya's thoughts. But oh, from, a, yeah. from a DX perspective, we want to make sure that we can make this incrementally adoptable for everybody and not make it a, a jarring transition over. But Maya can, can add some more flavor. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, we are selling it as the successor to Webpack. So a, a big goal is bringing the community along. We don't want to leave this huge ecosystem behind. So we do plan to you know, have some sort of migration path we might not be able to use the plugins that you're already using, but there will be replacements that you can migrate over to. And one of the things to add there as well is that uh, from the Nexus side of things, like we're not switching from Webpack to TurboPack today right. or, uh, or anything like that. So we're still maintaining Webpack as well. Um, we're, we're still using that in, like if you upgrade to Nexus 13 today, you don't add the Turbo tag uh, or the Turbo flag to, uh, to Nexus, then it will not boot into TurboPack, and it will just use like what you had before, basically. Um, just like back by Webpack and uh, SWC. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's going to be a long road. Nice. 
It looks like we have a question from Discord, so thank you for folks tuning in online asking questions. I think this might be a good one for, for Andrew to talk a little about. With these uh, new ways to fetch data, thanks to some upstream innovations in React, what does that look like for the future of the React ecosystem? Um, so yeah, this is a long time coming for React, not just Next. We've been looking into uh, things like suspense and some of the concurrent features we talked about uh, last year with React 18. I've been thinking of Next.js 13 as really like, this is the real React 18 release. Um, <laughs> because even though we have a lot of primitives in React 18, you can't really take advantage of them unless you have a framework that takes, yeah. that, that is builds on top of those architectural primitives. Um, so on Facebook.com, you know, Facebook has an infrastructure that's based on Relay and some other um, routing concepts that, um, I mean, one way to think of it is that Next.js is an open source implementation of that. In some ways, it even goes a step further now with server components. Um, so that's, I'm really just excited for, for the rest of the React community to now be able to take advantage of all of these improvements that we spent so many years researching and building. Um, so that, that's one thing. Then looking forward, I think once everyone can get onto this suspense-driven, you know, server components-driven architecture. There's so many things that we can build on top of that stuff. Um, one, like just a few of them we've announced already, like on our blog, is we're working on ways to do kind of background pre-rendering of content. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to like a website, um, I'll use Facebook.com as an example, um, and you tab away, you navigate away um, from newsfeed, for example, and then navigate back, and newsfeed is still loaded on that screen. Mm -hmm. um, that should just it should be one component that lets you do st patterns like that. Yeah. Um, and when you build on top of things like server components, that level of abstraction of really rich functionality um, with just a drop-in component um, that becomes possible. Other things like animations, it, it, I could go on and on. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's like this is a really exciting milestone because it lets us move on to that, to that next level of, of polish. Yeah. I'm super excited. In the early testing I've done, it's been fantastic to use for the mm -hmm. new app directory and the new upstream React changes. So very excited for that for everyone. Another question from Discord here. How are the docs looking? When can we expect docs to try out all this stuff? I think Delva knows a couple things about the docs. Yeah, yeah. So the docs are live. Woo! You can definitely go and check them out at beta.nextjs.org. Yay. Um, and yeah, we have doc mode. Yeah, we, I know that's a community request, dark mode. Yeah! <laughs> and yeah, they're looking really great. They ha they're not finished. Yep. Let's set the expectations. But uh, over the past few weeks, we had a lot of help from our engineers and from our writers. And it's shaping up. It's looking really good. I, I do hope that you know, people will give us feedback. Oh, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Delva's been doing a great job writing a lot of these docs, but we made it really easy for everyone in the community to give feedback on these beta docs. The beta docs specifically are for the app directory. If you want to mm -hmm. try out all these new changes we talked about. Um, if you go to beta.nextjs.org and you try to leave a comment, we have this new functionality in Vercel called Preview Comments. It allows you to comment on the screen. You can log in, leave comments on specific pieces of text. You can you know, put emojis on there, you can leave screenshots. So I think this will hopefully make the process of streamlining feedback for the community giving uh, input on the docs really seamless. So definitely do that. Please give us, give us all your feedback and we'll be furiously making docs changes. Um, let's do another question here in person, why don't we? We got one right here in the front row in the middle if, if Sam wants to take that. Hi, so I had a question about routing. Okay. Uh, in the past, whenever I had a complex modular page, 
I had to predetermine what components were available. And in get server-side props, I had to collect data for all of them and then pass it down to the modular components. Has anything changed in that with the new router that I can actually have each one of the modules on the page fetch their own data? Yeah, absolutely. Tim, you want to talk about this one? Exactly as you said. Uh, <laughs> you can now fetch data in, the, uh, in server components. Um, which uh, means that you can do uh, like more complex uh, UI as well, like deciding what to render uh, based on props, for example. So um, like fetching some data uh, comes back from like a CMS, for example, that's deciding like what layout uh, to to render, like what UI co components to use. Um, and because of leveraging server components, you can now decide to like sprinkle interactivity on the page. Um, Based on what that data fetch uh, like decided um, should be rendered, uh, and at that point, basically means like you can now create like a really large, like say a page that is uh, that has uh, an object holding like hundreds of components that that could be decided by by props, uh, and if you don't render them, they don't get shipped to the browser. So like there's no extra client side JavaScript for that. So server components is the key to kind of getting that feature. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, when you use the app directory, it uses server components by default, so it's definitely worth checking out and, and giving us your feedback. Thanks for the question. I, I see a question here. What does it look like to upgrade an existing app to Next.js 13? Are there breaking changes? What can we expect? I'm happy to take this one. So if you go to the Next.js docs, we have both an upgrade guide for folks on the stable documentation, just on nextjs.org as well as in the beta documentation, which is specifically if you need to move things or you want to try out things in the app directory. So you can upgrade to Next.js 13. You don't have to use the app directory. You can use images, fonts, all the new things we talked about, and kind of incrementally try out these new features as, as you're ready. So definitely check that out. Another question from Discord here, what is possible with TurboPack today, and what is still coming? Uh, yeah. So. It is definitely an alpha release. We wanted to you know, announce this at NextConf so everyone could follow along with what we're doing. Um, so yeah, immediately just stabilizing, you know, adding support for all the features for Next. Uh, we will move into Next build, production builds. Um, and you know, we're building it inside of Next.js to sort of prototype it, but uh, it, it will be more than just a Next.js bundler. So again, it's the successor to Webpack. You should be able to build you know, anything you want that you could build on Webpack on TurboPack. Um, so looking at getting that into more frameworks and um, yeah, more, more people. Nice. Let's do another question here in the crowd. Maybe somebody from up top. Anyone excited wants to raise their hand? We got one over here. Come on. Hello, uh, I'm Adoes, VP developer at Rapid API. Pretty excited about all the uh, you know new announcements. Yeah. Um, if you remember, I gave a talk at you know ISR, SSR, and whatnot, and WTF, OMP. Absolutely. What's going on with there? <laughs> uh, so with next layouts, my question is, uh, I think it's it's a good improvement, but my question is around: Are we simplifying things uh, based on just one function versus doing you know ISR, SSR, SSC, OSR, and where, wherever it leads? What does that look like? Are we going to still uh, consider all of these uh, acronyms or whatnot, or is it going to be just one function that simplifies everything? Anyone want to take this one? Yeah, I can take it. 
So um, ISR, SSG, SSR, what they did is they provided an abstraction for people to do data fetching and rendering. The, it was good and it worked. Um, however, I feel like the abstraction took away from a lot of developers having the opportunity to learn how the web actually works, how caching works, how revalidate works. So with the new React RFC, uh, which if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, I would recommend reading it, um, it really does bring it down back to the foundations of the web, right? So we, we want to teach developers about caching, revalidating, fetching, um, but in a way that aligns with the web and also that it's also simple for them to understand without the additional acronyms. Yeah, yeah, and I think like to your question about the patterns, like if you still want to have some static data, you can absolutely yeah. still have some static data. If you want to have some dynamic data, you can absolutely still have some dynamic data. We're still allowing the same functionality. We're just streamlining the developer experience of how you write that and enabling you to do it at the component level, especially when paired with layouts. It's, it's a very powerful way. I mean, I know just ingesting all of the community's feedback for you know many years now, I know that people have been looking forward to this for a long time, and I think there's probably 50 GitHub discussions asking for things like this. So I know everyone's very excited <laughs> for all this stuff. Uh, we'll, do, we'll take another question from Discord here. Um, how would the new caching and fetching changes, how does this work with the Next.js ecosystem, with the React ecosystem? How can we work with those library authors to help bring the entire ecosystem along? Maybe we can talk about it from the React side and also from the Next.js side. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll yeah. start. Uh, yeah, it, so um, yeah, there, there's a few things, uh, new APIs that are being added. Um, uh, you might have seen uh, use um, and async uh, components. So like async function uh, and then like that, that returns JSX that works uh, in server components. Um, and that is like fundamentally for like being able to await uh, a, a certain fetch. Um, however, then, like at that point, you get this problem where, uh, say, you have the same data at, at two points in the, the React tree. It's like you want to render um, in your layout uh, the, the current user, and then like in your page, you want to render the current user as well, or like some variation of that uh, that requires you to get like logged in state or something like that. Um, like traditionally, like that would be really hard to do because uh, the, the moment you call like get user, for example, it would do a fetch. Uh, and the fetch would then return uh, some JSON uh, th that's then parsed and, and you can use that in the tree. However, um, if you do that a second time, there's like two fetches at, on the page. So you get a, a waterfall of sorts. Um, and the, the, the new thing in, uh, in React and Next is that um, like fetch automatically does this deduping. So like if you do the same fetch twice, um, and Andrew will talk about more about that, uh, it will dedupe that in the same tree. So like if the same React server components uh, page is being rendered, uh, if you call uh, like fetch uh, api.forsell.com uh, with the same URL, uh, and then you do that a second time, like somewhere deeper in the trees, so like in your page, for example, then uh, it will just give the same result. So you don't get like two fetches. Uh, that's one part of it, and then the other part is uh, there's a new cache API, which is uh, literally called cache. You import it from React, um, and uh, it's kind of like it works a bit like Memo. So uh, 
if you used that before, like you basically pass in a function, you get uh, a component back, uh, caches, you pass in a function, and you get a memoized function uh, back that if you uh, call it in the React tree, it will automatically dedupe if the same um, like parameters are passed in. Uh, and now this will allow you to, like outside of fetch, which automatically does this, um, to have like uh, external like data fetching libraries that do like database queries or anything like that, to also have that uh, deduping logic. Uh, but you might be thinking like, okay, that's like a lot of extra work. Um, basically, like what we expect is that the broader ecosystem will adopt the the cache. Um, uh, automatically, like as part of the SDK, so that mm. you don't have to do that and it will work automatically. At this point, obviously, uh, it's just out, uh, so uh, you'll you'll still have to add uh, cache yourself. Yeah, and then on the React side, that that was a great explanation. Um, in terms of like what place uh, like open source libraries uh, fit into this, I'll just say that for the like the last year, every React developer that I talked to um, has expressed in some form like how hard it is to do data fetching in React. Mm. If you're using Next, it's obviously a lot easier. If you use something like use SGWR, um, it's a lot easier. But um, everyone's kind of wondering when is React going to have like built-in data fetching solution. One way to think of this uh, Next.js release and server components in general is this is the data fetching solution. Um, it's not a complete one necessarily. Like there's a, a lot of other things that React doesn't offer out of the box. Um, Next.js layers those on top. Um, but I imagine things like you know React Query are still going to be incredibly important. Um, there's a lot. There's been a lot of innovation in, in the open source ecosystem, and that's actually one of the reasons we've been reluctant um, on the React team to to offer a built-in solution. Because if we had done that like five years ago, it would have been based on classes or something, or then <laughs> it would have been based on use effect or whatever. So we've been like very diligent. Like if we can't offer something that is uh, good enough, yeah. then we we don't want to lock uh, people into a subpar architecture. Um, so the fact that we're that we're coming out with server components now, and we're partnering with Next. I think that's our endorsement that th this is the da data fetching solution. Um, for React that everyone, I think, has been, been waiting for. doesn't mean that it you know, is going to snuff out all of the innovation that, that's ha still happening in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. but you can think of them as like the primitives that we think unlock the next, the next layer of innovation that can happen um, for everyone's React apps. Yeah, I'm extremely excited to see this next wave of community and ecosystem libraries that are built for yeah. server components in mind, with client components in mind, and just are enabling all of the, the existing library authors to kind of up great and provide these new solutions. It's going to be really fun. Uh, we have a question from London. Uh, from London, will Turbo Repo be part of Turbo Pack? What is that relationship between all of these Turbo things? Right. Well, an exciting piece of Turbo Pack is this incremental build engine. It's reusable. Um, it's written in Rust, since Turbo Pack is written in Rust and, and Turbo Repo is written in Echo. But we are looking at like incrementally moving that onto you know, the same core architecture. Um, so yeah, sharing that core architecture, we're also looking at like how they can work better together. Again, with that incremental build engine, there's a bit of an inversion of control where, you know, instead of the build system kind of controlling the tools with the CLI commands, the tools are controlling the build system with these like, with a library. Um, so I think that'll help a lot with the DevX. We're excited for the future and um, where that will go. Nice. Another question from London, then we'll come back and do a question here. 
do layouts in the app directory, how does that work with context or state? And I think it could be a good time to talk a little bit about just, you know, mm -hmm. if I have a nested layout and I, I go to another page, does that state, you know, does the page re-render? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And uh, one way to think about it, it's not so much in terms of layouts, mm. but what type of component it is. Is it a server component or a client component? Mm -hmm. And in the app directory, by default, layouts are server components because there's lots of optimizations that we can do with server components, like yeah. shipping dramatically less JavaScript to the client. So one thing that you need to like be aware when you're thinking about layouts is, okay, how do server components work mm -hmm. and how do client components work? And server components, you can't really use state inside them. Yep. So how would you tackle this if you have a layout that is interactive, for yeah. example? And what we would recommend in this case is to extract out the component that is interactive. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, it could be a search bar, and then make it into a client component that you pass into your layouts. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of like how you can handle state in your layouts. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, you can always opt into client components with the uh, directive, use client. And then for context, context is a little bit more complex. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I'm still trying to kind of like wrap my head around it. So yeah. maybe Andrew can help us with, with that. Yeah, um, so there is a feature called server context um, that exists. Uh, it has some limitations. You can't just freely, willy-nilly um, mix and match client context with server context. And there's a text technical explanation for why that um, that you can read. I'm not going to try and uh, spill it out right now. <laughs> um, but I think in practice, um, what we're expecting is that a lot of um, the things that you would use context for on the server um, don't necessarily need to be contextual, like per subtree, um, and that instead uh, they can be per request. Um, and so those don't need to come in the form of a hook. So I, I think in Next.js, y'all can correct me if, if I'm wrong, there's a, a way to get like the current requ request parameters. And it's not a hook, right? It's just like a, a function that you can call anywhere uh, and it gives you, w which is quite nice because you, you don't have to obey the hook rules, for example. Um, but I was going to mention a little bit about the, I, I do think there's going to be maybe a period of like a learning curve for people to get used to this server-client distinction. Um, so I'm really curious to see how that shakes out over the next few months as people start playing with this. Um, one of my colleagues uh, who used to work on React named Sophie, she had a really great way of explaining this in a tweet once. And I'm sorry, Sophie, that I'm not going to express it as eloquently as you did in that tweet. But um, when you're thinking about server co components, uh, just imagine if, if you do like a mental audit of your existing React application, think of all the components that only ever update when you do a navigation or when you do like a a server like a uh, form mutation or, or submission of something like that. It's a shocking number of components that exist just, that only ever update in those scenarios when you're already doing a server round trip. And if you can just move all of that code to the, to the server, um, it's obviously way better. You don't have to download all of that, um, all of that client code. Uh, again, I, I, sorry, Sophie, go look at her tweet. It's, it's a lot better. It's like <laughs> 140 characters instead of that uh, giant spiel I just gave. Um, but that, I think that really crystallizes, at least for me, like forms a good mental model of why server components is so exciting and why it makes so much sense for Next.js to default to server components until you need to add an extra layer of interactivity. Yeah, and I think, too, if people go try out the app directory, they try out server components, and they're feeling like, oh, these are new concepts. I'm still trying to figure all this stuff out. 
rest assured that there's going to be plenty of, of documentation, education materials from us trying to help everyone kind of just bring the community along because, you know, it's new. Everyone's going to be learning it at their own pace, trying to grok these new concepts, and it's something that we kind of want to incrementally move the, the ecosystem forward towards. Let's, let's answer another question here in San Francisco. We have one in the top middle. I haven't, I haven't answered anybody on the side, so we'll take your question. I've taken a couple from the middle. <laughs> if we want to have one of our mic runners hop over there. Don't worry, people in the middle, I'll also grab your questions as well too, but I want to make sure you got your question in. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about servers, and I've heard a lot about the web, right? Yep. I keep mentioning Webpack replacement successor eventually. Um, I'm curious about how you're thinking of, of the mobile form factor and the React Native ecosystem and mm -hmm. lots of uh, innovations and things happening there uh, as a part of all of these advancements and this progress. Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. Uh, by the way, I'm Marcus at MongoDB, if anybody needs a database. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in product. <laughs> great shout out. Yeah, I'm sure Andrew can talk a bit more about the React Native side. That's a great question. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad someone asked that question. I have had many conversations, um, even among my colleagues uh, at Meta, where people seem to think that server components is just, oh, that's a web-only concern. But, um, you know, although Next is, is a web framework, um, they don't have a, a React Native story, like, Really, I don't think of it as being like not relevant to native platforms. I, I saw Evan is here today from um, from Expo, and uh, I would love to see Expo adopt server components one day. Like we should really have server components for React Native as well. There's no yeah. reason that architecture doesn't make any sense um, in that environment too. Um, so that's what I'm hoping is is the future of of React Native. It's this all of these improvements we're talking about. Like they're starting with Next, but I'm hoping that in the future, a any React app, like, it's, it's not, oh, does it implement server components or not, it's just that's gonna be a given um, for, for anyone writing React. Um, so that's a really great question. We're not there today, obviously, but uh, hopefully that's the direction that we're moving in. There's a, yeah, thanks. There's a question on Discord about Tailwind CSS support. I'm assuming this question is in relation to TurboPack, so we can probably talk about that. Yeah, so we know Tailwind CSS is very popular, um, so that's, going to be top of the list of, of things that we're trying to support very soon. Um, so I, can, I don't have an exa exact answer, but we are looking at supporting like some layer of JS plugins that would allow you to use other tools. And I guess right now, like you can kind of, there are workarounds um, where I think you can just like add a script tag. Um, so yeah, in our layouts playground that I think should be public now, um, you know, you'll see that, that it is using Tailwind. It's not the most optimal, but uh, that should work for now, and we're working on a better solution. Thanks. Another question from Discord here, just around how we can use this new architecture in the app directory, which uses server components to do A-B testing or experimentation. How does that help make my application faster by running these things on the server? Tim or Delba, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so it's similar to uh, uh, what we talked about in uh, the previous question, uh, which uh, was about, like, can I now do data fetching in like any place, basically? Yeah. Uh, and like what component, like basically deciding what component to render in a server component allows you to do uh, like A/B testing of like separate trees or uh, or anything like that. Um, there's also like more advanced like routing cases that we're working on. Uh, 
uh, namely parallel routes, which allows you to like basically create two uh, trees that fall under the same router, and then you can switch between them. Uh, so they can still create like pages in the file system that that map to a certain spot on your page, basically. Um, so yeah, it's definitely possible. Uh, we'll be creating like more examples and like uh, best practices around uh, what you can do here uh, very soon. Yeah. Awesome. Let's do another question here. <laughs> I'll come back to the question in the middle that I missed. If if uh, Sam potentially wants to run it over or Kylie wants to run. Oh, Sam's got it. Thank you anyway, Kylie. <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam from Spotify. A uh, question for Andrew between the data fetching that you were talking about and the RFC, which looks cool. Like, what are the big missing pieces that you're most excited about that's coming to React, if you care to talk about it? Yeah, um, so in that RFC, uh, I really apologize for people who maybe haven't read that, because we keep alluding to it. But um, uh, I think Tim gave a good overview. Uh, in that RFC, uh, the biggest thing we mentioned was not quite, hasn't quite worked out yet, is the cache API um, that Tim talked about. Um, we have like uh, a general sense for how that should work. Um, and I, I think on the server, it just works without very many caveats at all. It's really like, how should that work on the client, where once you start doing things on the client, things like cache invalidation become a, a real issue um, that you need to solve. Nowadays, libraries like React Query um, uh, or use FSWR implement patterns like that, but uh, there may be room for like React to have some level of, of caching built in. I'm not sure yet how it will layer with, with uh, these other solutions, um, but I think it's like a common enough use case uh, that even, even on the client, um, React should probably have some built-in solution for this. Um, we, uh, we, I'm not too worried about it right now, though. Like, I don't think it's uh, a blocker for us to start using um, these APIs on the server because even even in the future, like, it's really best to do as much data fetching as possible in your in your server components. And another thing is, I think people are going to want to anyway because it's a lot more convenient if you can just access your data sources directly without having to go through this yeah. extra mm -hmm. uh, API layer. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably the big, biggest missing piece. We're also looking at um, like, how do we make it just ergonomic and uh, avoid like some foot guns where people are doing, you know, you can do a, a, a cached get request in your component, but you shouldn't be like sending off server mutations directly inside your component. So we're try still trying to figure out like what are the, the right um, patterns and guardrails we can put in place to prevent those, those common mistakes. Um, and then also, I, I guess I'll just say uh, about the, the use stuff, um, I think people are going to find it very exciting, but to me, the, oh, the much more exciting thing is that you can just use async await in server components. Yeah, <laughs> like that's pretty that, cool. that is that is what I think is is really cool. Use is um, it's neat, but it's it's honestly it's a compromise, right? We would like to just use async await everywhere, and I don't think it's out of the question that maybe one day you will just be able to do async await directly inside your your client components as well, um, and that could be qu that could be quite nice. Um, but in the meantime, I think use is pretty nifty as a as a way to bridge those two worlds. Um, and that's, if, if you're scared by the concept of a, of a hook called use, that's really how I encourage you to think of it. Just in your head, sub out the word await every time you see a use, mm -hmm. and that's basically what it is. Nice, that's helpful. Another question here in SF. We got one right here on the end. Sam's putting in great work. Hey, I'm Adam from uh, Wonderman Thompson. Um, the previous video, um, referred to accessibility on the web a number of times, and I don't know if that is um, CAG or Core Vitals, which is probably still predicated on CAG, or something different. Can you just talk about what that means for, 
for the tool set? Yeah, so I'm happy to take this on the accessibility side. So in the pages directory in, in the Next.js router right now, we've added some accessibility features to help with route announcements for screen readers, as well as just trying to build in you know, common foot guns that people might have building web apps directly into the framework. So for Next.js 13, for example, the image component now requires an alt tag, which I think is just a good, a good move for the web in general. So we like to talk a lot about trying to make the framework more accessible in terms of, you know, people who can use it with a screen reader or other uh, assistive technology. But then to your, also to your point about like core web vitals, we kind of look at that as a way of just helping uplift the performance of all Next.js apps on the web. We want to understand the real impact of these sites on you know, potentially multiple different types of devices, multiple different types of internet speeds, and how that actually is impacting page loads in the, in the real world, in the field. So that's another thing that we care about a lot as well, too. Thank you for the question. We'll take another one here in the, in the row. Dan, thank you. Thanks. Hey, Fuad from Indent. And curious for the teams who already have very complex next apps, maybe one CSS and JS bingo and have a lot of different things going on in their apps, what would be some of the features or pages of their app they should look to to migrate first to Next 13? That's a good question. Anyone particularly want to take it? Uh, I'll take it. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the important thing to know is that like you can just upgrade to Next 13. There's a few breaking changes you'll want to check the upgrade guide. Um, that, that all relates to pages as well, but also uh, uh, app if you enable it. So example of that is uh, we're upgrading the, the default uh, browser target, which is now East modules. Um, the uh, link component, uh, the much requested uh, feature was uh, not having to add the A tag uh, as part of a link. Um, that is no longer required. Um, it's very uh, important that you run the code mod, though, if you have an existing app. Uh, so definitely look at that. It throws an error if you don't, so it should be fine. But in general, like that code mod will fix every single case. It will opt all your links into the uh, the old uh, behavior, uh, so it's like called legacy behavior, basically, as a prop. Uh, and it allows you to incrementally like move all those links over. Um, and then like from the, for the story for like how you go from pages to app, which is something that a lot of people want to do, uh, I assume, um, that is uh, a, a much larger migration overall. Uh, we, we've started this for uh, Vercel.com and uh, like the Vercel dashboard, uh, a bunch of other apps. Uh, and what we've seen work the best is basically like starting page by page. Um, one of the benefits right now is that you don't really have a layout system in pages. So like you can just copy over the, the, the page that you have today into the uh, app directory, um, just put in all the components. Uh, uh, maybe you have an underscore app, and then you have to like add a like. You always have to add a root layout, which runs HTML, um, and that can just like live there as a, a client component. And then, at that point, the app will just run basically. Um, and you get some like additional features from that as well, like being able to import global CSS like anywhere in uh, in, in pages or layouts, um, which right now is only in uh, in underscore app. Uh, so you can like move some of those into the page if it's uh, page specific. Um, yeah, it's like th there's a bunch of other things as well. Like use router is no longer uh, next slash router. Um, it's called next navigation. We'll have like an interrupt story there where like you get the same uh, same object back from use router that you get in the app directory uh, in pages as well. But it's like just using the old router uh, instead. 
Um, and that's mostly so that you can just like upgrade individual components as well, uh, while still like maintaining functionality in the the, the, the pages app. Um, really, like the way to see it, uh, or the way that I see it, is that pages and app are like two separate apps. They'll have like, they don't have client side navigation between them as well. Um, they'll just like do a full page navigation because like everything under the hood is different for uh, for app. Um, so yeah, and there's like. Besides that, there's like some other like behaviors in the new router that were not in the old router. So uh, yeah, d definitely the recommendation is to go like page by page so that you can like solidly <laughs> verify that uh, that it works. Yeah. And uh, you brought up a very good point, which is client components, right? So the page when you migrate is a component as if we have now. It's a client component, and then from there you can decide, okay, what are you going to pull out for your layouts, and the use router, how does the behavior change from pages to apps so that you can migrate those features as well? Yeah, so it, like the, the way to think about it, it's like client components are the components that you have today. Like there's almost no difference there. Um, it's just that there's now a new concept of server components. So the thing that we had before is now a named thing, uh, which is called client components. Um, and because of that, if you add use client to uh, an import, or to uh, uh, to the, the component uh, that was like your page component, for example, uh, that will like mostly render in the same way. Yeah, for for those who are more curious about the upgrade path and the code mods, we have documentation on uh, code mod for the link component, code mod for the image component, just to automate the whole process of upgrading, as well as some documentation on the the ch breaking changes in thirteen. It's like you know we updated the Node version, I think, the supported yeah. browsers, mm -hmm. just some. Couple things there to check out as you're moving your your applications over. Um, two questions on Discord here. One, um, some some folks have asked about another announcement Vercel made today. I'll just quickly mention that, and we can get on back to Next.js. But Vercel acquired a company today called Splitbee, which is a privacy-focused first-party analytics company, and you can start using that today on Vercel if you want. So check that out on our blog if you're curious more about that. But we'll get back to Next.js. There's a question about using. API routes with Next.js and how we feel about the breakdown between the front end and the back end. I know that Delbo and I have talked to a lot of developers about this. They wonder, should I use API routes? Should I not use API routes? Should I put my entire back end in a Next.js app? Like, what's, what's the right architecture? And I think the answer is, it depends. <laughs> depends what you want to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it depends. It depends on whether you're kind of like fetching directly from your API or you're using an ORM like Prisma, right? Yeah. And that's where React comes in, where you have to choose, okay, am I going to use Fetch or am I going to use Cache and maybe perhaps an API route? So I would actually love to hear more from Tim in regards to like, what are we thinking in, in terms of API routes? Because hmm. people will probably have a lot of questions about that. Yeah, there's uh, something coming. Uh, it's, it's not so app doesn't have API routes right now. Uh, the main reason for that is that we want to carefully consider like what what the API for that is. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> and uh, it it will be like a mix between like what you can do today and like some new features. Uh, like there's some like stuff that like server components also unlocks, which is uh, for example like what if you want to like individually re-render like a single uh, like component on the page that is backed by a server component. Um, and that's like still things that we're looking into. Uh, and we basically want to make sure that that all like 
ties in well with uh, the uh, like layouts and what we announced today. Um, and uh, like a part of that is also like how do you handle mutations and like forms and things like that. Um, so we're looking at uh, the total package for how to do that. Yeah. Exciting. That's a big update. We'll take uh, we'll take one more question here in in the crowd. Um, anyone? Anyone? A question? <laughs> we have a question over here. Okay, let's take that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, um, as so hey. there's a lot of excitement about server. Well, I'm, I'm Brian. Hey, Brian. <laughs> a lot of excitement about server components and a lot of talk about ergonomics and stuff. And I'm wondering, like, what's the experience at Next been so far for early adopters and folks playing with server components for things like debugging or or perf profiling or things like that? And like, what are your thoughts about tooling around that? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this a little bit. Delpa and I have been in the weeds, kind of building some examples, trying things out. And we've, you know, we've had some, some amazing community members also give us some feedback on some of the early stuff. So thank you to everybody who's helped out with that. I think the, the kind of blunt answer is it's still pretty early. There's still things we're trying to figure out. We really want to have a great debugging story and make it easy for people, not only when it's the good path, but also when it's on the unhappy path. So I think working with our, our community and other tools that are in the community to help make that process easier, I think will will really simplify things. But I'm, I'm excited to see that progress further because as we move into this new world, we want to make sure the, the tooling and the debugging tools come along for the journey. That's a, it's a critical part of, of building your app. Yeah. Any other comments on that? Well, for folks who don't know, that's, that's Brian. He uh, created the React Dev Tools, and now he works on Replay. So uh, we will also be adding it to React Dev Tools that support for <laughs> yeah. React Dev Tools at some yeah. point, and maybe Replay will have <laughs> will have integration as well. He knows a thing or two about <laughs> yeah, he space. Knows, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got uh, about a minute left before we will go and cut over to the community talks for everyone tuning in. But just want to quickly also do a shout out to check out the Vercel Twitter today for a special swag drop from Kid Super. You saw him before. And uh, you'll, you'll want to check that out. There's some really cool, cool gear dropping there. Um, thank you all for asking the questions here today in person, in London, in New York, and online. Um, with that, we can, we can wrap things up here for the Q&A, and we can head back to the community talks. And thank you all for joining. Everyone, please give it up for your speakers.